Hello and welcome to the NCRI Women's Committee podcast. With the International Day to Eliminate Violence Against Women and Girls approaching, we're shedding light on the disturbing reality of violence against women and girls in Iran. It's crucial to underscore that what women endure isn't just sporadic. It's state-sponsored and ingrained within institutional frameworks. Violence against women persists globally. How does it differ in Iran? Thank you for asking. In Iran, the government not only fails to protect women from violence, but actively endorses it through laws and actions. This endorsement has led to a drastic rise in violence against women and girls, including shocking instances of beheadings by husbands and fathers. Research indicates an alarming prevalence, with statistics suggesting a disturbing trend, often unreported due to the lack of transparency. In 2020, an Iranian expert, a sociologist, said Iran ranks first in the world as far as domestic violence against women is concerned. Another research said two out of every three Iranian women experience domestic violence in Iran. This figure is double the world average, uh, which is one in every three women are victims of domestic violence. That's horrifying. Absolutely. It's truly alarming. The clerical regime systematically promotes various forms of violence against women and girls, perpetuating physical, mental, economic, and political abuse. The lack of comprehensive prosecution further exacerbates this dire situation. Could you elaborate on how violence against women is institutionalized within Iranian law? Certainly. Iranian laws disturbingly facilitate violence. For instance, the legal age of marriage for girls is shockingly young, enabling early enforced marriages at 13 and even younger with the permission of the father or paternal grandfather. The laws empower men within households, even allowing them to perpetrate violence without repercussions. When a battered woman calls for help, the police is not allowed to enter the house. The judges are also instructed to return the battered woman or girl to their family instead of providing her shelter and protection from the abusive father or husband. A stark example is that of the 14-year-old Romina Ashrafi, who had run away. She pleaded to the judge not to be returned home, but the judge did not heed her pleas, and she was subsequently beheaded by her father. Shockingly, before committing this heinous crime, her father had checked with a lawyer, making sure that he would not be executed for killing his daughter. The law sanctions the father's murder of his children, saying that he owns their blood. Instances like Romina Ashrafi's tragic story highlight how the law fails to protect women and girls, enabling heinous acts and disregarding their safety. This is beyond unacceptable. It's heartbreaking to see such blatant disregard for human rights. Absolutely. The law not only fails to protect, but condones these atrocities, granting impunity to perpetrators. It's critical to note the dire absence of women's voices and rights in these matters.
One of the most distressing forms of institutionalized violence against Iranian women arises during encounters with authorities enforcing hijab laws. Absolutely. This is crucial to discuss. Prior to the tragic murder of Mahsamini by violent guidance patrols last September... Let me pause for our listeners' clarity. These guidance patrols are also known as the morality police, a term more widely recognized in international media. Precisely, it's the same agency. Their mandate is to apprehend women not adhering to proper hair covering and transport them to detention center in downtown Tehran. Unfortunately, these arrests are never peaceful. Women often resist, and the patrols resort to violent means to take them away. In the detention center, women are abused and mistreated to sign written commitments to cover their hair properly. Before Mahsamini, a sick woman with a heart condition was taken to that detention center and died after release. Then came Mahsa's tragic incident, sparking a nationwide uproar lasting six months. Later, an elderly woman passed away at a tourist site in Kerman after harassment by Basij agents in the area. And most recently, in October, we saw the case of 17-year-old Armita Geravand. Similar to Mahsa, she suffered a brain hemorrhage and brain death due to trauma inflicted by hijab patrols on a metro station. I've heard that the hijab patrols disappeared from metro stations after what happened to Armita. Is that accurate? Um, For a brief period, yes. However, the regime's intelligence swiftly intervened to contain the fallout from Armita's death, leading to the resurgence of the hijab patrols in even larger numbers. You might recall our discussion about the regime's introduction of a new chastity and hijab law comprising 70 articles that intricately control various aspects of women's lives. Shockingly, Even before the law's full approval by the Mullah's parliament, it was enforced notably targeting university campuses. Camouflaged vehicles were dispatched into universities, accompanied by an increased number of hijab patrols, intensifying harassment of Iranian students regarding their attire. Just recently, massed security forces raided a Tehran university's library and classrooms, seizing the student cards of young women studying without head coverings. That's incredibly distressing. How can students learn in such oppressive conditions? The situation is dire. What's worse, those whose cards are confiscated face additional repercussions. They're barred from re-entering the university premises after leaving. It's a systematic method to deprive students of education due to their defiance of compulsory hijab. Of course, the students didn't stay silent. They staged two-day strikes and issued an open protest letter against this oppression. However, security forces are now rigorously enforcing stringent dress codes for both female and male students following the adoption of the new law. So far, we've delved into the social aspects of state-sanctioned violence against women and girls in Iran. However, the scope extends to the execution of women, rampant flogging, and stoning as punishments for exercising basic human rights. But let's shift focus. When the regime is brutal towards ordinary women, 
I can only imagine the horrors faced by those actively opposing the regime through protests and leadership. The atrocities against female protesters last year were chilling. What more can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Those opposing the regime face vicious violence. Last year, the regime callously killed young women on the streets, surrounding and fatally beating them with batons. Nika Shakarami, Sarina Ismailzade, Sarina Saidi, Mahak Hashemi, Azale Qasemi, Sadaf Muvahid. These are just a few names among many who met this fate. Kidnappings and abductions of female protesters, even doctors aiding them, resulted in rape and torturous deaths. Dr. Aida Rostami's family revealed her horrifying injuries, her eyes enucleated, nose and cheekbones smashed. The deliberate blinding of protesters with shots to the face caused hundreds to lose their sight. An atrocious act. Exactly. It's meant to instill fear and deter protests rather than addressing the public's grievances. Repression and economic crises persist, fueling discontent, yet these brutal methods are the regime's response. So these brave women know the risks when protesting against the regime? Absolutely. They knowingly paid a price for freedom. Like the previous generation who resisted the regime's repression in the 1980s, thousands of women from the opposition MEK and other groups were killed under torture or executed by firing squads from 10 and 13 years old to elderly mothers and pregnant women. This ruthless history persists in today's methods of torture, echoing the regime's brutal past and impacting Iran's history and fostering a spirit of resistance among the younger generations. Thank you for joining us on the NCRI Women's Committee podcast on the eve of the International Day to Eliminate Violence Against Women and Girls. We hope this episode sheds light on the history of violence against brave women in Iran. Share your views and questions with us. For additional content and updates, visit our website, women.ncr-iran.org. Stay tuned for our next episode on violence against women and girls in Iran. Until then, wishing you brighter days.